filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash filibuster. So I stopped by the local antique mall today because sometimes I like to go antiquing and I've become kind of a, uh, I shave using uh, old safety razors now. Well, I mean, they still make new safety razors. So the I started style. Yes. Okay. The, the, the old school double-edged razor blades. So I started with a brand new uh, safety razor and shaved using that for a while. And then I went to the antique store a month or two ago and found a razor that was a, a legit Gillette razor that was made in the 50s and that was still in great condition. So then I bought that. And so I've been shaving using that for the past couple of months. And then today I went and found a a razor that's made of brass that was made in the 30s at the same antique mall and it was only $14, so I had to have it. And it's kind of an obsession now. It's kind of a problem. But I've I've got multiple razors, safety razors, and it's it, it's becoming an obsession. I know I love it because I can get a hundred razor blades that lasted me three years for $14. As opposed to buying Gillette stuff from Gillette now that costs like Fifty dollars for four razors. I mean, I I will say that the the multi bladed razors of today they are a lot of money. Um, but I bought like two of the multi packs, like the big Costco sized uh multi packs. Um, uh-huh. and I've I still haven't used them up, and I made that purchase like in two thousand seven or two thousand eight. I still have. Okay. Like more than one set of four left um, okay. from that purchase, partially because a lot of that time I just I was using like clippers to just cut my hair short and uh, not actually be fully go. shaven um, because I'm a, a lazy slob. <laughs> well, it's actually kind of funny. Gillette actually makes these double edged razors that I use, mm-hmm. but they but they make them in Russia. They're specifically packaged, and the language on the packs is for the Turkish market. Okay. And then somebody in California buys them from Turkey to resell to Americans. This instead of Gillette, I expected this to go. Instead of Gillette, an American company just selling them to American people. Right. You have Uh, to go all, all this way around to uh but they're only fourteen dollars, and it I'm lasts learning, me for three years. What I'm learning is that you are buying black market Turkish razors, uh, basically. It, yeah, I, I have no idea what the packaging of the razor blades says because it's all in Turkish, right? I I feel like this is a new level of weird for this show. Black market Turkish razors, uh, and you and you're buying too many of them. I'm not buying too many of them. They just last me three well, years. You're buying too many in general. 
Too many oh, the, razors in general. The, the, yeah, the razors themselves. Yeah, yes. not the blades. You're, you're a new father and you filled your house with sharp blades. Yep. Goat, goat, welcome, goat. Uh, as you can tell, uh, this is Filibuster, uh, the Black and Red United podcast. You can also tell that we don't have Adam to rein in our weird stories about razors and Turks um, and the black market. Uh, I'm Jason Anderson. Ben Bromley is... Uh, I razor assu- man. I can't see his hands. I assume that both hands have razors in them, and he's just fiddling around with razors, um, maybe doing some of that cool stuff you see in movies where guys have uh, switchblades. He's trying to learn to do some of those sort of things. Uh, we have two games to talk about this week. Uh, DC United uh, beating the Columbus crew uh, last night. This is Thursday while we're recording. And uh, going up to Toronto to take on TFC, we'll have uh, Duncan Fletcher from Vocal Minority to talk about that one uh, in our second segment. But, of course, we have to start where we always start. Ben, what are you drinking? So I had to run up here very quickly uh, before recording started. And so I just made a quick bourbon and Coke and grabbed it and brought it up here with me. I finally bought a new handle of bourbon. It's been a couple of months since I uh, bought one. And to kick it off, I just made a nice, comfortable bourbon and Coke. Wait, what kind of bourbon did you get? Uh, it, my regular uh, mix in bourbon is uh, Evan Williams, green green label. Okay. Nothing wrong with Evan Williams. Uh, it's the bourbon you should buy if you like bourbon but don't want to spend a lot of money. That's um, me. If you want to make the make the scene and, and show people that you are a guy who buys bourbon to drink uh, – you might buy Jack Daniels, but don't. It's a waste of your money. It, it really and is. Unless Jack Daniels, uh, if you want to sponsor us, I will totally change my tune. Uh, please Me email too. us oh, at yes. at gmail.com. I'll drink, I'll, I'll drink Jack Daniels exclusively if you want to sponsor us. Um, I myself, Ben, Ben's not willing to make that promise on the air. That's. Oh, no, I will. Oh, okay. Okay. We'll speak I'll, for I'll Adam too. Promise. Adam, Adam will jump in too. If you guys, if, especially if you want to pay us like enough money, where this is our real job. Um, oh yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go to liquor stores and steal other bourbons and throw them in the trash um, if that's what I'll, it takes. I'll forsake water for Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> a basic a basic human need. Ben's willing to go that far. Um, I uh, I have a, a little bit more of a niche product. Um, I'm still going through my haul from the uh, the liquor sale, though. This is not a liquor drink. Um, I bought a – where's the size? Well, it's a larger than normal, but it's a, it's a one-pint, six-ounce bottle of um, Elijah Brewing's Loser. Uh, it is a beer that they brewed uh, in celebration of Sub Pop Records. Sub Pop Records uh, put out Nirvana's Nevermind, amongst many other – um, uh, big, big records from that era. They're still actually doing some pretty cool stuff today. Um, some of my favorite newer bands are on Hardly Art, which is one of their sub labels. I don't know exactly how all that works, but they're attached somehow. Um, I, uh, I have to say it's, it's pretty good so far. Um, it's a, uh, where's the description on this bottle? I've already, I, it's a one sticker and I'm lost on it. Um, it's a classic pale ale. Um, not too bitter, but enough to to set it apart from an IPA. It doesn't have that weird um, citrusy aspect that IPAs can have when people don't handle them correctly. So it's, it's 
pretty impressive. Um, if, uh, if you find it, it's a white and black label that says loser. So you shouldn't have too much of a, too much trouble finding it if, if it's available to you. Um, I guess we should talk about the, uh, the good news. It's, it's a change as the season has gone on. We actually get to talk about good things a lot now. Um, a winning streak, a, an actual winning streak in the year of 2016, uh, DC United followed up their, uh, their beatdown on Orlando by beating Columbus three nothing uh, last night at RFK. A a we thought it was going to be a rainy RFK. It turned out to not be rainy until immediately after the game ended, and then it started to rain quite a bit. Um, Lloyd Sam opened the scoring in the seventy first minute, and then Lamar Nagel in the eighty sixth minute off the bench, and Nagel got the assist on a ninetieth minute goal for Alvaro Sabarillo, which is now. DC's ninth stoppage time or later goal of the year, which is even more in the lead than yeah. they were the last time we talked about this, which was recently, um, because it's two games in a row with a goal in the 90th minute exactly. Uh, ben, I'll start, though, we're, we're talking about a 3 nothing game, but we'll start in the back. Uh, I thought Bobby Boswell had a good game. Um, Steve Birnbaum played very well. We're talking about a high-scoring crew team. Uh, what do you think of the center back's performance? I mean, I think the center back's performance can be summed up by the fact that we barely remembered that Ola Kamara, who's been pretty good recently, we, I, I barely remembered he was on the field. And I think that in, in of itself is a testament to the, uh, to the play of Birnbaum and Boswell. Uh, and, and that's what two games in a row that they've done that. Uh, they were able to take out, uh, Kyle Laren as well. And that was especially Birnbaum. Uh, in the Orlando City game as well. So I think we can confidently say that definitely Boswell and both of them are probably playing their best soccer of the season right now. Uh, Birnbaum has finally stopped being erratic. I mean, Boswell, sorry, has finally stopped being erratic Boswell and has refound uh, 2014 and early 2015 Boswell. Uh, that made him the captain that really solidified that team. And he's refound that. And Birnbaum has just been a beast on both sides of the ball the past two months. And yeah, they've been able to shut down center forwards and good center forwards. And so, yeah, I had, I was perfectly pleased with the effort that they both put in. Yeah, uh, Kamara, he but can't... I, but, oh, I'm but I'm just like I said, I'm especially happy to see Boswell's resurgence. Yeah, uh, you know, it's been an, uh, maybe a little more uneven year from him, but uh, lately, extreme. I shouldn't say lately, like it's been a month or so, very recently, um, he has really found the kind of form that we associate. And maybe this is something he's picked up over the years playing in Houston where they sort of made a science of getting it together towards the end of August and in, and in September to yeah. um, fire themselves into the playoffs. And uh, hopefully we don't have a trip. That was, to always so, that was always so annoying how they would always be just puttering, puttering, puttering. And then damn it, Houston I mean, would kick it up again and then they I, would make the playoffs and be I mean, Dom Kinnear has, United. Dom Kinnear almost is almost did he, They've been close in San Jose this year. A couple of games recently that one thing goes wrong for them and they don't get a result or a win. Um, they gave up a late goal, etc. Um, they could have been that kind of team again this year. Wanda yeah. missed that penalty this week, which which would have helped. Night. 
which would have helped DC quite a bit um, as far as getting above their current spot, which is sixth. Um, maybe more important than the winning streak is just solidifying that sixth place uh, playoff spot right now. Um, I I noticed a lot of reaction uh, during the game and after the game when I got home reading about people um, as they processed the game uh, via Twitter. It's actually one of the best things about Twitter is seeing how people reacted over a period of time rather than getting their only their end game reaction. Right. Um, yeah. And one thing I noticed was that people were really negative during the first half, and I. I I don't know that that's the game that I necessarily saw. I'm not going to sit here and say that it was even or that DC was just fine in the first half. Um, but I I was pleased to see them figure out that the soccer side really wasn't going to be there. Um, you know, it took to after 10 minutes. It was like, OK, this isn't we're not playing very well right now. We're not using the ball very well. We're sloppy. Um, but at least we can make sure that Columbus isn't going to get anything out of this stretch of the game. Um, exactly. We talked about this against Orlando, where. United sort of sensed the moment and went out and took advantage. You know, they saw that Orlando wasn't, they were out of sorts and punished them for it. In this case, United sensed that they themselves were out of sorts, maybe not to the extent that Orlando was, where the defense was literally not defending, um, but out of sorts enough that it was it was a worrying prospect. And the change of, of approach was to sit back and absorb some pressure. Columbus had a lot of possession, but they didn't, have anything going on. I think um, Adam tweeted out that Columbus only took three shot attempts. I think after the game, Opta corrected that to five. Um, But it still wasn't, even though United didn't have much of the ball and was sloppy, you never really got the sense that they were in deep trouble. Um, Hamid had to punch some crosses away, but he wasn't having to make the save of the week kind of save that we're, when we see DC United get in trouble, we're used to a certain look. We know what this looks like at this point. And this yeah. game didn't look like that. Um, so maybe no, not I, was, a- I was never really like, yeah, DC United didn't have much possession, but I was never really worried in the first half that they were going to get beaten down. I was more just disappointed that DC United right. wasn't playing a little better. Yeah, um, I, I think that's fair. And I think that kind of reflects um, the mood in the stands as well was a, just a little bit like, well, this isn't really as good as we should expect right now with the way they've been playing that, you know, this is below expectations, but there's a difference between below expectations and bad. Um, You know, there was a point this year where that there was no difference between those two because the expectation was just let's not be bad. But clearly in the recent weeks, we've gone beyond that point um, where the expectation is for actual good, especially at home is for playing well. Um, And the first half didn't meet that, but it wasn't like, wow, what a mess this is. Um, I guess, um, I guess to go to the second half when the goals started going in, though. Um, actually, you know what? I'll 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 put the goals off even further because um, I I forgot that I drew a giant arrow on my list of topics to talk about. Um, Bill Hamid, we just mentioned him. Um, ben, I, I know uh, you noticed some stuff about Hamid that maybe is a little bit of a change from the norm uh, in a in a good way. Um, so why don't you why don't you let everyone know about that? Yeah, I think uh, it's been a, an evolution of Hamid, uh, not just in this game, but this year and over Bill Hamid of the past. Um, instead of having to make the big spectacular save in this game, uh, he more just managed the game well and did more little things that aren't as noticeable, but are really the signs of a more mature and more 
and a better goalkeeper. I mean, uh, when we get to the goals, we'll, we'll talk about, we may t- mention how his distribution has become pretty excellent, uh, recently. It, it used to be awful in his first couple of years, but it's, uh, over the years has gotten better and better and better. And I think it's one of his best aspects right now is his distribution. Um, the, uh, and then there was the, uh, cross that he just barely deflected that uh Adam John was going to score if Bill Hamid didn't get to it. Uh Watching that live, I didn't even see Hamid get his foot to it, but he deflected it just enough uh to prevent John from getting to it. And it's just those little things that he's been able to do now that still change games just as much as a big spectacular fully stretched out save but it's he's putting it all together into a a complete goalkeeping package that won't be long like we've always said he won't be long for dc united but if he continues to put this level of performance together along with his already excellent uh reaction saves and physical prowess he really won't be long for dc united yeah, I, I I thought it was a uh, and kind of a tricky game because you know you're told beforehand, oh, it's going to rain, it's going to rain. Um, the field was wet, but it wasn't actually raining during the game. Um, right. You factor stuff like that in before the game as a goalkeeper. You know what kind of things you're going to expect. We've seen rain at RFK, you know, against the Red Bulls, especially. Um, that game was sort of a nonsense game because it rained so hard that there was not really much anyone could do. Um, soccer wise, it was just like hoof the ball wide and hoof crosses in or shoot from long range. Um, so you start to expect that when you hear this, like it's going to rain constantly and heavily. Well, and, yeah. And especially how much rain, how much rain was predicted. Right. Um, and then it didn't happen. So it sort of changes your expectation. You have to adjust to it. And um, I think Hamid was smart, especially in choosing to punch instead of catch a few crosses. Um, I know that there's a, a set of fans who really disapprove of ever any goalkeeper ever punching the ball. Um, these conditions are exactly why you would do it. He, you're coming out in traffic. The ball is slick. Um, the combination of those two things, if you try and catch it and get it wrong, that risk is too high. The, the, the cost of getting that wrong is too high. Even if you think I could probably catch it, you need to be 100%. Um, and a good punch and, gets the ball away just as well as a header would. Um, and unlike uh, Kaylor Nava, Navas uh, this week, Bill Hamid's punches were uh, excellent and thundering. Right. Rather, uh, rather know, than leading to goals. Yes, you, you don't want to punch the ball down. You want to punch it up and away. Um, and, and hopefully... Uh, to the sideline so that you even if the other team gets the ball, they aren't immediately back at your throat again. Um, right. You have time to get back to defend your goal at the very least. Um, and I think he handled that stuff really well because for a lot of the game, uh, crosses were Columbus's game at that point. Um, their set pieces, uh, there wasn't much creativity. It was just fire it in, see what you can do. And, and they did have some low crosses that he had to come out and, and touch or, or get in front of. Um, but overall, I thought, uh, the the sort of solid, unremarkable game that really goes a long way, um, which is kind of what you're getting at, is yep. in these kind of conditions, it's good to just have a game where there you don't have to. It doesn't have to be flashy because you got the fundamentals so so correct that you, the flashy part didn't come into play at all. Um, exactly. And that's, 
that's not a bad a bad quality to have definitely um i guess i'll i'm going to start with the goals uh i'm going to talk talk about lamar nagel who i um have been really pleased with lately um even though he's been coming in off the bench um he is now tied with mullins as the team's leading scorer for the year um he Re- came in retied, yeah got got an assist as well as the goal um and really i think red the circumstances really well. I think he knew exactly where Columbus was going to be weak. It, and I know it, it doesn't look like that much of a read. You say, Oh, well, they pulled those defenders. Of course, they're going to be a week on the wings. Um, I think Nagel was really smart about knowing that they would be bad if you put them on their heels immediately. Um, and on that breakout, he starts his run really early. The, the breakout that actually led to, um, Sabarillo's goal, um, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, he started his run really early, and Columbus wasn't just on their heels when the ball came to him. They were already on their heels because of how much – he was wide open. Everyone knew it, and Columbus's last hope was, well, if, if um, we can stop the pass out to him, we're, we're in business, but otherwise we're kind of doomed. Um, and the goal was kind of a similar scenario where uh, Columbus collapsed on Buescher, and once that pass got through that, Everyone in the house knew that if Nagel put the ball on frame, he was going to score. Um, right. Him having enough time to actually take the ball and settle it and pick pick his shot, um, that's something that professional players do every single day um, quite a few times. He's, he's probably repeated that motion in his life tens of thousands of times. Um, yeah. So uh, he really set himself up to have an easy time setting up those goals. And it, the goal, the end product looks really easy, but it's the work before that that gives you the chance to do something easy rather than having to, uh, elaborate and score maybe a, a more spectacular goal, which, which everyone loves a spectacular goal, but, um, they don't always work out. That's why they're spectacular. And if you can give yourself the chance to just do something easy, um, just like with Hamid, if you can give yourself the chance to make it easy on yourself, then you've done, an even better job. You've done something that's more that can be replicated in the future as well. Um, you don't have to pull a rabbit out of your hat. If it's, it's, I mean, I guess the end game of having a rabbit out of a hat is that you just have a rabbit now. Um, but if you yeah. just, if you're, if you're smart and just to go have a rabbit, you don't have to learn magic tricks. You can just have your rabbit and like, look, here it is. Well, I've then, then you, if, if you're take, if you're taking it easy, then you don't, you, you weren't also carrying a rabbit all day you can just put the rabbit down and just not try to play soccer with a rabbit in your hat, which sounds more difficult than uh, not trying to play soccer with a rabbit. I like that you were willing to take this already tortured metaphor about rabbits and hats and extend it. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, why not? This is what you get, Adam. Adam's probably cringing listening to this. This is what you get when you don't show up on the show is you get a metaphor that, that gets dragged out and then dragged out some more. Um, yeah, you're you're at some social event. At least I produced delicious smoked wings for not being here on Monday. You have no end product that you've shown us. That's true. You need to have a tangible product. That's important in soccer. And we're insulting you in the middle of the show instead of at the beginning. So you'll be surprised by this. That that and since he's not producing it, it we're not we can't surprise him with uh he, it'll come back like oh people, they were making fun of me. I didn't even know. Yeah. Um, Ben, I want I want to talk about the Lloyd Sam goal, the goal that won yes. the game. Um, so do I. Uh, and I'll I'll give it to you. Um, it's Sam's third goal since coming over in the trade. Um, and all of a sudden, he he looked like the guy that was contributing a lot, but not necessarily 
to go back to what we just said, that tangible product, he wasn't necessarily delivering it as often as Acosta, uh, as Mullins. But now all of a sudden, uh, I think that's what, two goals in two games for Sam. Um, so all of a sudden it's all coming into place for him. What, what did you think of the goal and, and of Sam in general? Um, I thought overall he had a pretty good game. Uh, just like he said, uh, after the game, uh, right before the goal, we all knew he was about to come off. He had kind of been a, a little sloppy with the ball. Uh, it was time for him to come off, but he made a veteran run and knew that Lucho could get him the ball. And that's not something a, that's not a run a young player makes. That's a veteran move. He got in the right position and just knew that Lucho was going to be able to find him there. And Lucho gave him a great ball in. Just that little lofted chip was something that, I mean, we keep saying this about Lucho every after almost every game, because it's true almost every game. That's not something that DC United has had recently. That's That's not a pass that anybody on DC United recently could have made except for Lucho. Or even looks for. Or even, well, especially looks for. Yeah. And so just the fact that he did that is great. And just Sam's ability to hold off Parkhurst and hold off Parkhurst and then turn Parkhurst. And Mullins helped with that too because he made a run uh, into the box as well. And so Sam could have laid it off for Mullins as well. And I think that helped freeze Parkhurst a little bit. But just the fact that he was able to hold off Parkhurst and then just turn Parkhurst and rifle it past Clark was pretty good for a guy who pretty much knew he was about to be subbed off. Yeah. It it was kind of funny because in the stands, I hadn't noticed that Nagel was up um, waiting to come in. And Uh so while people were celebrating, I happened to glance at the sideline and saw Nagel and I was like, it's probably Sam's last touch. And then the board went up and it was like, Oh, it really is his last touch. Um, and it would have been completely fair. It would have been fair in all honesty to take him off a few minutes earlier. Um, especially with the game coming up so, so quickly, but, uh, who knows what would have happened if, if Olsen had pulled the trigger five minutes before. So so, sometimes leaving well enough, uh, alone works. Sometimes it's definitely, I'm sure there was zero chance that Olsen was sitting on the sidelines like, he'll score soon, don't worry. Um, it was right. more like, well, yeah. Nagel's probably ready to come in now, let's get him going and uh, give him his set-piece instructions and all that. And um, Oh, hey, Sam scored. Well, I guess we'll, we'll bring him in now. Um, I look but, like a genius. Sometimes you get lucky, and actually he ended up, uh, his substitutes ended up heavily involved on the other two goals. Um, yep. Nagel with a goal and assist, Sabrio with a goal, Buescher with an assist, um, which is something we've seen. This is the third time this season we've seen United break open a close game with late subs being the, the decisive factor on those late goals. Um, mm-hmm. that's actually where Acosta got most of his early season assists and goals were in those kind of moments. Um, Sabrio as well has been, uh, a big fan of, of padding the lead in games. Um, and I feel like that's at least three. He's got five goals this year. At least three of them are that kind of goal where it didn't actually change change the result at all. It was a stoppage time or very late. Um, yeah. Two against Vancouver. I remember that. And then last night. Um, so this is the time that, that Sabo thrives, maybe. And maybe that's why he got the nod over 
uh, Igbon and Ike. It was just that um, this is Sabo's moment for whatever reason, and he'll definitely go uh, make something happen. And sure enough, he, he scored and looked almost completely unemotional about it. Yeah. Um, did not celebrate much at all. Um, but what are you going to do? He scored the goal. I, 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 as long as his celebration isn't some sort of a terrible offense, uh, if he doesn't want to be excited, that's that's fine with me. Um, I think Ben is enduring some sort of uh, terrible earthquake or something uh, uh, in, in Richmond. No, uh, Jasper is it's attacking a, my microphone. A cat quake. Um, yes, it is a cat quake. <laughs> <laughs> um, we talked about uh, the fact that there's a game coming up this weekend that we'll get into much more in the second segment. But um, one thing I do want to talk about is we know United is going to have to rotate players to keep people fresh. Um, yep. We also know that in a lot of positions, there aren't that many options right now. Uh, ben, who do you want to see rotated in uh, for the purpose, not just the purpose of getting fresh legs in, but maybe some some guys that need a little more time in because they haven't played a lot lately? Yeah, I mean, I think Nagel definitely gets a start. I think Kennedy Igbon and Ike definitely gets a start. I think the question just for him is whether it's up top or on the wing. Uh, I think it'll probably end up being on the wing because I think Lloyd Sam and Patrick Niarco, both uh, and Patty Mullins, all need rest. Uh, Sabrio will probably start. I'm not too psyched about that, but uh, I think it'll happen whether or not I like it. Um, so I think those are all easy, easy, easy subs in. I think Buescher is a is very likely to start, uh, maybe in place of Lucho. Lucho might need some rest. Uh, Jared Jeffrey probably plays because he's been out for a while, so he's probably he's still fresh. Um, there was Rob, the, Vin- oh, Rob Vincent kind of Rob Vincent kind of has to play. <laughs> yeah, that's the situation in central midfield is that one of Vincent and Jeffrey has to play. Um, yeah, and if if Vincent doesn't play, that means Acosta is going to have to play another hour plus. Most likely because it's him or Jeffrey dropping into Vincent or Jeffrey dropping into that deep role. Um, I mean, I get. I guess if Ben Olsen wants to go like full on CCL esque rotation, mm-hmm. he could just he could put Jeffrey in Vincent's role, Buescher in there, and then just throw Colin Martin out there. I don't expect that. I don't think he'll go full CCL esque yeah. rotation. But if it's it's a very very slight possibility. Like I said, I don't but- think it happens. Right, but I, it it all depends on how much Ben Olsen wants to rest people. I do think there is a better than maybe better than thirty percent chance that Martin is on the bench. Um, yeah, he hasn't been. I mean, he's only been in training. According to Stephen Streff, he's been in training for a couple of weeks. Um, the only recently upgraded to. I think he's been upgraded to questionable. Um, he's been out for virtually the entire season with a foot problem. Um, and certainly this I think this formation opens up a door for him to play in the middle where he belongs rather than out on the wing. Yeah. Um but when you've been out for that long, uh giving someone more than twenty minutes is rolling the dice on a muscle strain because your body isn't used to the demands of full scale professional play. Um yeah, I which was, is, I, is a whole different it's a whole different level from training and oh, it's a yeah. whole different level from keeping yourself fit, quote unquote, um, it's a whole different ball game when you actually get out there and people are 
playing for money for and, and like for real like there are win bonuses there are goal bonuses um yeah people are out I'm there a- going going as hard as they possibly can and catching up to that is difficult for someone that's been out for what six months now it, it'll be six months when this game kicks off so yeah i would love to see him get like 10 minutes at the end or something like that i would love to see him make the bench and get like 10 minutes i mean to get him back on the like in all honesty about sometime in the middle of summer it occurred to me that we might not see him play this year he might have a, a full loss season um like which, would be, which would be even worse because the for Martin, it would be even worse because he lost most of last year. Um, yeah. With um, he had an illness, he had an abdominal surgery. Um, he only got to play maybe the last six weeks of the season. He was able to be involved. He did make the bench in the playoffs. Um, yeah. Which which people will will uh, maybe not remember because he didn't play in those games. And in all honesty, he wouldn't have fit into those games anyway because it was a lot of long ball. It, it would not have helped uh, Colin Martin to be involved in those games at all. But he um, hasn't. But but being injured and sick and all that, he's also been missing his development time with Richmond. And I think he yes. would have been. He would have definitely helped this year's Richmond team and last year's Richmond team as well. And so he's been missing out on that development opportunity. Um, is there an obligation with the kickers and their playoff roster where you have to have an X number of appearances, or can you go down there for your first appearance of the year on loan? Uh, five appearances. So he's have, ineligible for their playoff game. Okay. So he can't even go play Correct. that one. Of course, the kickers would be well within their rights to say a guy that hasn't played all year, isn't ready to go for a playoff game. We can't do that. Um, but even if, even if they wanted to, they right. could yeah. not call on him. Um, though they will be able to call Correct. on Andrew Dykstra, uh, Miguel Aguilar. And Ma- I think Miguel Aguilar, those now, will be the, those will be the two would be eligible if DC wanted to send him, but DC needs. Yes. And then they could play, they, they could play that, uh, rarely known two goalkeeper <laughs> right. um, formation. It would be very bizarre, but they could theoretically send, uh, Wara as well because the kicker's goalkeeper situation has been. It yes. seems like a bunch of different guys have like five or six games for them. Um, yes, it's because it, their main guy, mm-hmm. Ryan Taylor, got injured, like a long-term injury uh, near the beginning of the season. And so they've had – and DC United, DC United right. has had their goalkeeping issues. So they haven't been able to send somebody until recently down there long-term. So, yeah, it's been a interesting situation. They, uh, for some reason, the Revs yes. like to send Richmond – Goalkeepers. I think it's because the owner of the kickers, Rob Ucar- Rob Ucrop, scored the first two goals in Rev's history, and I think they just feel obligated to hey, maybe, help him. Maybe out. he makes a phone call and is like, "Hey guys, remember me?" Um, and some someone out the there first two goals in New England is like, "Yes, yes, we actually do." Um, uh, what do you need? Um, <laughs> I need your third string goalkeeper. And they're like, okay. And then eh. Rochester's like, but we're actually your affiliate. No, no one like, really nah. likes them anyway. Um, <laughs> that's actually no. the case. Uh, no one really likes the Rhinos. Um, yeah, I guess to go back to the rotation issue, um, I keep coming back to, to – it's tempting to say, well, we could move DeLeon into midfield, but he's played right back in two games where fullback has been very demanding. Um this past game with Columbus throwing the numbers forward that they do, um, De Leon had plenty of work to do um, with uh, Corey Ash being uh, very fresh and just 
pumping up the wing as much as he could. Um, Justin Merrim was probably the best player in the game. DC kind of dodged a bullet when Burhalter decided. I will say there could have been something there where they said he's probably only fit to play an hour. Um, so sub him out up to that point. But if, if he was fit to go, they probably should have left him in. He looked like the most likely goal scorer from Columbus. And when he came out, I was, I was definitely relieved. Um, not just be, oh, go ahead. And I think, well, I think DeLeon just, I mean, he's going to be the right back until Franklin comes back and he might be the heir apparent to Franklin. I mean, there'll be at least a comp, there'll be at least be a slight competition next preseason. Uh, I think Franklin will probably win it, but I think DeLeon needs to keep getting reps, competitive reps at right back. So you have to keep him at right back for this game. He's, he was on the bench for a while, so he still should be fresh enough and he's got a week break coming up and he's a, fit guy yeah, anyway I mean, so i think you have to keep him at uh and, and at certainly right this, this is game. a game where olsen's going to be uh consulting the fitness data that they keep um that they they have the little nub that you see on the back of their jerseys uh just below their neck is a uh heart rate monitor and uh i think it it's a gps so it monitors distance and they wear those at training as well to keep track of exactly how much a player has to give um and so they can say, you know, this guy is is pretty much running on empty. You can't play him this week. Um, we've seen, uh, to go back to the Open Cup, uh, Jeffrey go 120 minutes and then bounce back three days later to play the full 90 um, in a road game. So um, we have at least some idea of a, you know, we know one player that, that Olsen trusts in that department. Though I, I will say Jeffrey was out for a few weeks and they may... I would expect him to play other than the fact that he's been out for a few weeks and maybe there was the talk before the game that he wasn't only going to be able to play the first half plus some more. And then he ended up, uh, did he end up going the whole, the whole yeah, he ended up going 90. Um, so yeah. maybe the fact that they pushed him through 90 might force, you know, recon, you know, reconsidering, but central midfield is so thin right now that it might be a situation where they want to reconsider, but they can't. Um, because Marcelo is injured. Um, who also I'm, I'm, we've got so many injured players. I can't keep it straight. The good news is it's not muscular injuries. Um, we're not looking at a situation where, yeah, it's not, right, well, we're not one like of those teams time. where the same injury is all over the, the report though. We have had, um, some concussion, bad luck, but I mean, in a sport with headers, there's only so much you can do. Um, but yeah, uh, with with Corb's um, with Corb being unavailable, you end up in a situation where DeLeon gets pulled to right back once Franklin goes out, and the, and the dominoes start to fall a little bit, and maybe Martin has to play thirty minutes instead of twenty. Um, it would be nice if United could uh, call on Chris Durkin, um, but the plan with him is still to. To keep him in place. Yeah, that would um, be nice. I, I still am holding out hope because there was the mention uh, from Olsen that if uh, Durkin appears he- ahead of schedule, um, and given how he looked in his one and only appearance, I don't know how uh, promising the schedule must look, um, but if he gets ahead of schedule on that, they might bring him up and, and incorporate him. But I, I'm guessing the plan is that they don't want to bring him up and incorporate him until he's actually a potential guy in the 18 every week fully not not on potential but on full he is one of our best 18 players so he gets to travel because 
he's there, not because, well, it'll be good for him down the road. Um, and I think I think he's actually training with Inter okay. Academy this um, week and next yeah, that, week. Yeah, I knew it was coming up. I didn't know if it was it was later in the month or right away, but I did know that that was a a thing that was going on. Which um, I guess this is uh, one of the things that happens when the owner of the team owns uh, Inter as well. Is that you send? I mean, Michael Seaton was the last guy to go over there um, and train for two weeks. Hopefully. Uh, Hopefully Durkin's career is a little longer with, with United than Seton's was. Um, yeah. But, uh, and to be fair now, now uh, Eric Tohir only owns what, like 30% yeah, of Inter. There's a Chinese group. Yeah. Chinese there's something group else going the on there. Um, yes. But he still owns yeah. enough. Well, I mean, I figure if Durkin you own uh, like any noteworthy share of the club where if you showed up at the owner's box, people would be like, Oh, I know who that is. Um, rather than the other owners of the team being like, who the hell are you? Um, I think if you own that enough to get that status, you also have the pull at the club to move people around and get people training arrangements as as you please. Um, yeah, or perhaps you get to send a player of your liking to play for a team in another country for a while. <laughs> well, he. He sent Andrea Mancini to us when he was still True. the full owner. True, and, of and while Roberto Mancini was still coaching Inter Milan, and once, and then once he became no longer the majority well, owner, well, we were able to pull well, what him happened off was on the Cosmos. Roberto Mancini got sacked, um, and then, yeah. you know, he signed with the Cosmos. I don't know what the Cosmos are doing uh, or what their interest is here, um, but that's their business. <laughs> because from 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 what I've heard rumors of and from what we saw in his one appearance, I don't even think he's yeah, in the NASL. Yeah, I mean, isn't a bad league, and we saw a player who looked like he would really yeah. struggle um, at that level, especially with, you know, the, the Cosmos aren't just making up the numbers in the NASL. They expect to win every single game. Um, that's their outlook on themselves. So when they don't win at all, like, when they don't win a game in the NASL, they get upset, and I don't know if he's at that level to, to fill in. But they, again, it's their business. That's the Cosmos' problem now. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you for taking him. Yeah, I can't. I can't disagree with that. Um, I, I guess looking at the the other situation, you mentioned up front that you suspect that uh, Sabo will go up front and Igbon and Nike will be on the wing. Um, that is the best way to rest yep. both. Uh, Sam and Niarco. I do wonder, we've seen Olsen with the fullbacks uh, use Mishu on one side and then the other and have Franklin play 45 and Kemp play 45. I wonder if he might not be tempted to do Sam 45, Niarco 45 um, in the similar vein, but that that would mean it's one possible. of his two forwards who have virtually no minutes on their legs not starting the game unless he were to go back to 4-4-2 for one game and play two forwards to lessen the burden at central midfield. Um, I don't think he's going to do that because I think this commitment to this new four, one, four, one is, is pretty solid. Um, but if there was ever a game. And you want your, and you want your reserves right. to keep playing in that formation. So if they need to sub right. in, but if in there ever formation. was a game where I would suspect that we might see a brief, 4-4-2 return, it would be in these circumstances where 
you have two fresh strikers and you have a lack of central midfielders. Um, I don't think it would help United yeah. beat TFC um, because of their diamond. You end up with you, you end up going from three v three v four a lot of times. A diamond, those guys are going to tuck in so much that you end up with four in central midfield. Um, well, especially when Will Johnson is yes. a winger. Yeah, or a um, wide he's midfielder. going to play narrow, and their width is going to come from the fullback. So if you switch to a flat four four two you're pretty much giving up on central midfield, which uh, I will say Olsen has had some notable success uh, against Diamonds playing that flat 4-4-2 in the uh, 2013 Open Cup. Uh, That is the recipe that worked. But I don't think you go to TFC looking to play that kind of game uh, and hang on for dear life um, because I don't think you end up hanging on for dear life, especially because it's the third game in a week rather than the only game you've had to think about for months on end. Um, so I, I think I think you're right that we're the the likelihood is low, but it is an option in a situation where United is short on healthy players in in several positions. Um, and also, please, God, find some way to rest Taylor Kemp yeah, before might his legs up, fall off. I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if we saw Mishu at left back with Kemp on the bench, and at that point, you've got to, you know, if Dalian starts there again, so be it. If Robinson has to play a game at right back, even though, as we've said, we know he's better in the middle, um, then you know that's it, it's it none of these solutions are good i guess is what we're getting at none none of them are ideal right. because yeah. you know a 28 a 28 player roster seems pretty short when all of a sudden you've got i'm i'm looking at 1 2 3 yeah and let's um, go back to a 30 player seven roster guys please. are out and and several of them play defensive positions um and your best option to fill in as a right back is a midfielder who usually plugs in all over the midfield. Um, you start to feel those shortages really quickly. Um, and so you end up with uh, the good news is they went out and they did the right thing by prioritizing the Columbus game, play playing the best team at home and going out and yes. getting three more points um, rather than trying to scrape out a win with a rotated lineup midweek and then going to TFC with your best team and possibly losing anyway, because TFC is good. Um, in this case, take right. the sure thing. The the disaster would have been lose. The disaster would have been like drawing Columbus and right. then losing um, to TFC, eh. which would have definitely been possible. Yeah. had They tried that. Yeah. Uh, um, that rotating solution. against a desperate team in Columbus who really couldn't afford to lose the game that they did. Um, probably would have been, uh, a dangerous recipe. And really we saw a game that was zero, zero after 70 minutes. I mean, rotating probably ends in a loss the way things went. Um, so I, I yeah. will say that the choice to prioritize the home game and, and take the, take the more certain three points is definitely the better idea at this stage of the season. Um, I've been, as you know, Ben, I've been thinking about this TFC game as basically a, whatever happens in this game, as long as no one gets hurt, um, it's a, it's almost a lost cause. Um, I would yeah, greedily draw take would be spectacular, a draw right now. Um, given, given the demands of playing Saturday, Wednesday, and then that third game being on the road, um, 
United poured a lot into this game against Columbus. They Columbus did have a lot of the ball, so you do end up doing a lot of defensive work, um, a lot of chasing. Um, it was it was a tough night because it it was it wasn't rainy, but it was pretty humid. Um, the ground was wet, so it's a little it's a little more difficult. You know, you feel that little extra weight of the mud sticking to your shoes. I it's it's not a lot of the water, it's not a lot of weight, but shoes. you keep having to take steps over and over again. It starts to add up. It's just like if you go outside on a windy day and you're outside all day, you feel wiped out at the end. It's like, why do I feel so tired? I didn't do anything. It's like, well, your body was fighting the wind every second that you were out there. Um, so, you know, people should prepare themselves. I guess the best way to put it is people should prepare themselves to see a strange lineup um, and maybe not get so angry about it because the, the other alternative is Taylor Kemp is out for four weeks with a hamstring strain or uh, Lucho Acosta is out with a calf strain, etc. Um, and then you have a problem in the playoffs, which is what United is close enough where they can start thinking about that sort of thing. They can't say it's a done deal. They've still got to get um, I don't know what their magic number is. I probably should have looked this up before the show, but they're they're getting close. Um, four point lead right now. Um According to sports club stats, they right now have an 85% right, chance which is of why making the playoffs. Going out and getting the midweek win was so huge. Um, yeah. It took them – If had they lost that game, they would have gone to f- down to f- like 59% right. or something, um, or maybe even lower than that. Still with one more home game against NYCFC and then a trip down to Orlando. It would be great to arrive in Orlando not needing a result um, or not needing to fend off, you know yeah. – if, if it becomes, you know, oh, if Orlando wins by three or four goals, um, Orlando's probably not capable of that. But we've seen some very strange things happen down at Orlando City uh, on their home field, on the turf. Um, the Citrus Bowl gets big crowds of uh, fairly angry people wearing purple. Um, you never know. And you don't want to go into a game where there's even a 1% chance of the, the, the ground falling out from underneath of you. So, um Credit to United for getting the job done in the in the the most reasonable way possible, and I think one more win probably does it. Um, I'm not cl- clearly I'm not that optimistic that it's coming this weekend, um, but we'll get into that more in our second segment with uh, Duncan Fletcher from Vocal Minority. Minority, so stick around. This is Black. Uh, this is filibuster the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell uh, me. Depends. I mean, well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are, are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious... In a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they, they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. <laughs> 
they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. All right. Uh, welcome back uh, to Filibuster. You're still listening to us. I, I hope you haven't given up. I don't know how you'd hear this if not. Um, right now, we're going to move on from the win uh, last we're, – we're recording on Thursday, so the win last night. Uh, we're going to move on to this weekend's game against Toronto FC. And with us, uh, we have a, a, a repeat guest. We have uh, Duncan Fletcher from The Vocal Minority. Duncan, welcome back on the show. Thanks for having me. And uh, since you've been on – you know our first question is, what are you drinking? Oh. Uh, drinking the Cremo Springs Premium Lager. It's the uh, sort of localish Ontario beer. Keeping it light. Nice. It might be more interesting. <laughs> we, should, we should record before, before games. Um, yeah, th- that does sound good. I've never heard of it because we don't get – access to uh most canadian we get the mass-produced canadian beers and that's it the smaller breweries we don't get access to i assume it's better than like oh go ahead yes it is better than the the mass-produced canadian then yes uh, then molson or uh labat well i think it did get bought out by molson so Uh, oh everything good gets spoiled (laughs) um all right so toronto fc right now uh in one way, pretty good form, one loss in 12 games, but uh, they're also coming in on three straight draws. Um, give our listeners an idea on the sort of mix uh, uh, mixed bag that, that that means as far as form goes. Um, yeah, it is kind of frustrating. I mean, basically, around about mid-August, probably, I mean, we went on a tear and like won four games straight, I think it was, and these are the four home games. I think we scored like 12 goals. It was all good times. And there's all sorts of supporters' shield uh, sort of fantasies start popping up. Uh, since then, it's slowed down, uh, as these things do. Mainly, uh, Javinko getting injured uh, hasn't helped. And uh, basically, we've just been sort of bumbling along since then. We had a very entertaining draw against the, the Red Bulls a few weeks back, but then in the last week we had a, against Philadelphia and Orlando two draws where they just never really got it going so um, yeah we're, we're struggling a little bit right now um, now I know at least at least for people that maybe don't follow the team very closely the names they want to talk about are always going to be the big designated players but I know you feel this way and I, I agree TFC is really more about uh, defense and uh, being a solid team more than they are about those star players. Yeah, which feels really weird to say because we've never really done that before. <laughs> um, aside from you know, 2010 when Preki was in charge, but there were other issues then. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think this off season, all the the big signings was you know, sort of Drew Moore, uh, Stephen Bateshaw, Clint Irwin. Will Johnson, even to some extent, is all very much about solidifying the defense. Um, 
like 57 or 58 goals we allowed last year and Bill Manning came in and said we're going to try and get that under 45 and it looks like we'll clear that bar massively. I think it's only like 33 goals we've let in so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, that is a very good thing. And so we, we actually seem like a competent team now, uh, which, again, it's new. That doesn't happen often. Um, and then, you know, if you've got like Javinko up front, then you maybe don't need to be doing too much because he'll be able to do some things. Um, while he's out, you know, we haven't looked great going forward. So, you know, we, we still don't fully have that balance as of yet. But, uh, yeah, we, we look like a, an actual proper team now that every now and again, when things are going right, uh, you know, when all the star players are out there and like Altidore is actually in form, which sometimes happens, sometimes doesn't. And when Jovinko's there, we can look really, really good. Um, so, you know, I struggle to think of one time we've looked terrible this year, which is strange. That's, but that's usually a good sign of an MLS team that's, that's going somewhere. A, a team that doesn't have like a game where you're like, wow, what the hell was that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, is it basically a, this year where you know, we're not quite there yet where it's like, yeah, we're definitely one of the best teams in the league. I mean, we're very much in the mushy middle, which you know often TFC haven't been able to get there. So I mean, we can be just a, a basic, decent team that'll get the odd win, the odd tie here or there. And then you know, when things come together, we'll look very good. And you know, we've had like, one particularly good streak of results to go with a general overall yeah. okay season and in MLS that's good enough to get you up towards the top of the conference especially in this year's East uh, where yes. most of the teams are like DC United um, <laughs> it's been it's been strange it's been a strange year uh, to say the least um, you mentioned Josie Altador um, and he has after TFC changed some things about how they were treating him, um, getting his hamstrings in order so he could actually play regularly uh, for uh, more than little appearances here and there. Um, he's been doing well, but I know um, the perspectives on how good Josie Altador is differ quite a bit once you get uh, once you change borders and you get out of the U.S. Um, people tend to take on a slightly different perspective. I was wondering if you could uh, maybe. Give us the the TFC now, your your opinion and the TFC fan base opinion on Josie that isn't maybe blinded by uh, the red, white, and blue. Um, I think right now there's probably a, a fairly decent opinion of him. I think he did okay last year without ever really looking like justifying the, his wage or the fact that we essentially swapped Jason Def, uh, Jermaine Defoe for him. You know, that's still a ridiculous trade. But, uh, yeah, the start of this season, he was like injured and then he came back for a bit and then was injured again and just never really got going. So I think at that point, you know, a lot of people were uh, definitely uh, not really super fond of all, you know, really. You know, we'll be happy to see him go. Um, he has done well like, since he came back, though, like since coming back from the Copa America, actually finally got fit. He has got a lot of goals to go with I mean, you know, his general overall player was always kind of fine. I mean, even when he was with Sunderland, his general overall player was okay. He just wasn't scoring. Um and we were getting that. Now we're actually getting the uh like the goals as well. So it's 
all of a sudden we're getting uh, sort of AZ Alkmaar of it all, which is nice. Um, and then, as things often tend to do in TFC land, opinions swing wildly, and so then all of a sudden people are treating him as if, oh my god, this, this guy's amazing, and everything's fine and wonderful now, and it's, you know, right now, sure, but, you know, I'm, I'm not entirely confident it'll last, you know, injured Altido is still in there, Sunderland Altido is still in there, we'll get them again at some point, but uh, <laughs> for now it's going well. So, recently, uh, TFC have been a little back and forth on their uh, goalkeepers. I know Clint Irwin started a week ago, but Alex Bono, 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 uh, Bono apparently, which is a bit disappointing, really. But. Yeah, yeah, that is. But he uh, he started midweek against Orlando City. Uh, who do you expect we'll see on Saturday? And is there really a competition between Bono and Irwin, or is Irwin still the clear number one? Um. I would hope Irwin's still the number one. Um, I know that they just came out and said something, I think, yesterday where they were um, basically planning for these last two games to be kind of alternating the two. And then as of Saturday, they'd be switching to you know, this guy. Whoever plays on Saturday would be considered the number one goalie. They'd be sticking with him through the playoffs. So um, I really hope that's Clint Irwin. I mean, Bono has done better than I thought he would. Uh, he's been good. He's got quite a few uh, clean sheets, and he's made some very good saves. There's been there's definitely a few odd moments here or there. Uh, there's been the odd outright calamity, and it seems like every game there's a couple of moments where it's just like, oh shit, what are you doing? Um, <laughs> I definitely rather have Irwin out there. He's more reliable, and you know he's just a bit more experienced, which I think is good for the playoffs. But uh, you know, Bono has shown that. Uh, He's worth having around and could do the job if he has to. And if some expansion team wants to draft a goalie, take him. Leave all our other players. Take Bono. That'd be fine. Isn't isn't he still a Generation Adidas player? Um, I think so. Yeah, and he definitely wouldn't have made enough appearances to yeah. make it out of that. I mean, he played it all last year, and then uh, this year, maybe it's like ten to fifteen times, something like that. So. Um, I don't know exactly what the the limit is as far as minutes and everything go. He might I don't think, I don't think anyone knows. <laughs> yeah, no one knows. It's one of those magical <laughs> yeah, MLS yeah. things. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. So, um, Jason, go ahead. I, I have okay. You blanked. It, it, left, you blanked, on us? it blanked. I'll <laughs> come back to me. I'll, okay, I'll, it'll I'll come ask back. one, and, and you go, and you go next. Yeah. Um. So. TFC obviously played the same at the same exact time as DC United did. Um, I assume there's going to be some rotation there. Are you expecting like a major squad rotation, or is it going to be more just a few guys here and there? Um, I think it'll be a few guys here or there. I mean, I think probably they'll just sort of rotate some of the people that were rotated out for the game against Orlando. I think Will Johnson, for example, he'll be back in the starting lineup. Uh, for sure, probably instead of Marky Delgado. Um, I would hope Irwin is in there instead of Bono. Um, we're going to have to go with someone different up front because Ricketts, uh, Tulsa and Ricketts got himself sent off somewhat dubiously. Um, so probably John Hamilton will be back in. He's been okay. 
you don't yeah, you don't think it's going to be somebody you don't think it's going to be somebody whose name rhymes with Schmashmashton Giovinco? <laughs> um, no, I think maybe he'll be on the bench. I, mean, I firmly believe I mean, he was off in Italy. He was on up in Milan seeing a doctor just like this last weekend. So I think you know if someone's that close to playing. They don't need to be getting on a plane to go to Italy. So I'd be surprised if we see him at all. Um, maybe he'll be on the bench, but. I imagine you know, we've got the international break coming up. There's no need to push him now when you can sort of like rest a full two weeks after this. So I would imagine that we don't see him you know, maybe off the bench, but uh, you'll probably miss him, I think. Thank goodness. I, I know you're sad about that. Cause <laughs> you, guys, you guys like Javinko, right? He's terrified. Uh, terrified of Javinko. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um. I- and then what? Oh. Then my I, it came back to me. Um, okay. <laughs> how have you felt? Uh, uh, how have you felt? Uh, uh, Jonathan Osorio has been playing as a number ten. Do you like him in that role, or do you think a, a slight adjustment would be even a better use of uh, his abilities? Um, it's difficult to say. He's okay. He's he's had some good games here or there. He's had a, a decent season. You can't really fault him. Um, he doesn't entirely convince uh, as a, a number 10, really. I mean, part of it is just goal scoring as well. I mean, no midfielders for TFC have got like goals at all this year, really. I think Justin Morrow was our third leading goal scorer. I think he's got three, maybe four, like from left back. Um, and Osorio, that's one thing. He's been terrible, really. He's He'll often get half chances, and for whatever reason, he just doesn't seem to have the confidence for that. He always seems to just take an extra touch to try and settle it before he shoots, and then the chance is lost. So that's kind of frustrating. Um, overall, he's been good, though. Uh, I think ideally, if he was fit, I'd probably be thinking uh, that Jay Chapman was that young kid who was coming. He got a good run of games in the middle of the season when there was like quite a few injuries, and looked kind of tentative in the first few games, but eventually got settled in. And then you know, he actually looked very good. I think he's got more sort of natural skill for that position than Osorio does. Um, but I think he's still injured right now. So probably won't see him. Um, I guess the other option is potentially Armando Cooper, uh, the Panamanian midfielder. We just signed him in the summer. and He like, played on uh, Wednesday. He's like, had a couple of subs appearances in the third. He started on Wednesday. Yeah, really. As far as he goes, I you know he's kind of tricky, but without ever really seeming to fully fit in and make it work. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's no one really that inspires me to say, you know, yes, that's who we could be putting in that position that will really hurt you guys uh, at this stage. Uh, well, since we're talking about the the number ten spot. Um it does bring up the fact that TFC kind of has, I think have, have played four or five different formations over the course of the season. Um, but lately they've settled into this uh, diamond four, four, two. Do you think that's the best fit for all the players there? And do you think uh, that's the, that's what they're going to go with for the rest of the year, uh, no matter what happens, or, or is it still up in the air as far as what, what could come up in the playoffs? Um, I think that's probably what you'll see them but start with, like for the, the rest of the year at least, uh, especially so when like, Javinko's back and it'll be him and Altidore up front. And then, um, 
yeah, I think we, it's probably fairly soon we'll start with that. And it's often, you know, they've switched the mid games to more of like a 3 5 2 in a way. That seems to be like Greg Vanny's favorite uh, you know, tactical switch if things aren't working out. But yeah, I mean, Michael Bradley is like sitting very deep. I mean, when TFC got possession, he's basically coming back like between and like, often below the centre backs. And uh, so he's starting things from there, which. It works okay. Um, I don't know he's been at his best like since he came back from injury, but um, all in all, I mean the the main problem with that is sort of uh, defensively. I think you know there's definitely if you've got like players that can get out wide, whether it's like Wayne Sam or uh, Acosta, whoever it might be, you know going against a four four two that can work quite well, really. So uh, you know DC seems to be scoring a lot of goals recently. They uh, there's Good chance they could do that again. I think you're more optimistic about it, about this one than, than we are. Um. <laughs> you know, it's what like 13 goals in the last five games. Oh yeah, but but it's always at home. Um, or uh, the weird weird game against the Red Bulls in which 88 minutes went by. And I was like, well, we're definitely losing this one by two or maybe even three. Um, mm-hmm. And then somehow, uh, well, not somehow. Uh, the yeah. old throw the big man up front uh, worked out very, very well, um, almost alarmingly well, because it's, it's a kind of a throwback to, like, the 70s tactic. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. tactic that seems to be long gone, and yet it was like, this is what we're doing, and yeah. it worked. Yeah, and then yeah, it worked It I, worked the next week, too. I can look the 80s. I can appreciate the big man up front. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, always, if, uh, it's always fun. If we're trailing well, again, it, it, it's usually Nick Haglund, which is yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's actually come in. Specific, it wasn't that he was in and moved up there. He actually was brought in specifically to do that, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, that was uh, most infamously against. It was, it was San Jose when mm-hmm. San Jose had nine. They were down to nine men for pretty much the entire second half, but mm-hmm. they still went ahead. And the only thing. Vanny could think of to try and sort of win late on was uh, let's bring Hadlund on as a servant, throw him up front. Was, uh, that was probably the, the bleakest moment of TFC season. But uh, I feel like we won four or five straight after that game, so right, the end uh, it was okay. Um, I, I guess uh, that's a question that I'm thinking of something just now. Um, TFC has had real problems when other the other team goes down a man. Um, Ooh. not just the San Jose game, but there have been at least, there's at least one other, and I feel like there's two more where Ooh. TFC went down or not TFC that their opponent went down to 10 and TFC did not go on to win the game or didn't hold the lead or something. What, how is this happening? Uh, it's a good question, but yeah, there's been like a couple of times since that San Jose game was, uh, against Houston and then later against Montreal, both times where it's had, we've had essentially a full half mm-hmm. playing against 10 men. And, uh, I mean, those games as well, like, Javinko was fit for those games. I mean, that you can't really say, well, you know, we didn't have Javinko, that's why it was really struggling. Uh, I think, obviously, if you go down to 10 men, teams will just kind of, like, sit back, or even if you go down to 9 men, uh, teams will sit back and, like, try and defend. And, yeah, uh, TFC don't seem great at that. They don't really seem to have the composure to realize, all right, we can just pass the ball around for a while, tire these guys out, eventually a goal will come. It seems whenever the opposition goes down to 10 men, they seem to go into, okay, we must score now mode, and 
seems like every single game that's happened, it's always just ended up being, all right, well, we'll pass it a little bit and then we'll throw a cross out, you know, a ball out to the wing and put a cross in the middle and, oh, it didn't work out. But just keep trying that, keep trying that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's very strange. But yeah, they, they don't, I don't know if it's just a, a temperament kind of thing, but they don't really seem to just take the patient approach of, you know, just sit about and wait and eventually an opening will come or these guys will get really tired. Uh, it's just, well, let's keep pumping long balls into the box, even though we're not winning any of these balls. They just keep doing it. It's, uh, it's, that's a very valid tactic if you're going against TFCs. Get a man sent off, sit back and defend, and then, you know, guaranteed a point. Maybe you'll get something on the break to get all three. <laughs> I, 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 I I'm almost I almost want to say I hope Ben Olsen just tells someone straight up to go out and get themselves ejected after 40 minutes. Like once 40 minutes are up, go out and find your find a red card somehow. Um, get creative yeah. if you need to, and then uh, we'll we'll take it from there. Yeah, just you keep it tight for the first 40 minutes so you're not behind. Then get the right. man sent off, and yeah, you're you're golden. Yeah. That's a, a good way to rotate players on short rest is you just have yes. to play, you know, you just have to get through 40 minutes and then you'll be done because uh-huh. you'll get yourself the red card uh, via some means. Um, and again, I really hope for extra creative means. Um, I, I don't know exactly what, maybe like stealing the score, the, the fourth official's uh, numbered board and running off with it. Um, I yes. feel like that's something that would justify like being ejected. Like you're, you're just not behaving in a way that an adult should. You have to leave. <laughs> Yeah, just steal the red card out of the referee's back pocket. Yeah, yeah. And give give him the give him the red card. Exactly. Uh, steal his spray paint and like spray it on the ref. You know, there, there are many ways you could go with this. I, sure. I like I like I hope that the broadcast team has the Benny Hill music ready um, for for this sort of <laughs> shenanigan. Just just to have it ready to go and uh, hit it for the like five minute delay that follows as whoever it is is running around like a fool. Um, yes. All part of the, pl- part money of the game on, plan. That would understand me. I'm putting money on Taylor Kemp. We don't have any fullbacks, Ben. You need to it, think it about won't that. It won't <laughs> I, matter. I guess it doesn't matter. You're right. And, um, and Taylor Kemp will need the rest. That's true. Oh, so, all right. So, so you are thinking about it. I stand corrected. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, feeling confident about that playoff spot? We're already thinking about resting people? Right. Uh, I, I'm more concerned just with the, the, the gap between His games legs and falling off. Yeah. The, um, with Sean Franklin being injured, DC is down to five actual defenders and Nick DeLeon. Um, and, and that's the back four. So everyone else is hurt or, or unavailable somehow. So, um, at some point someone's going to be exhausted. Uh, and Kemp, I, Kemp has barely missed any time this year at all. So he hasn't had time to rest either. Um, so I'm, I'm worried not so much about this game. It, like if they were to lose this game, but everyone is able to walk off without a limp or needing a, a trip to the hospital, that would be good. I think, um, yeah. it does uh, throw Patrick Mullins back there. You know, he seems like he's a <laughs> bit of a savior and he strikes me as the kind of player who, who'd be the kind of forward who can just go back and play center back, win a bunch of headers and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be the other, like it, Olsen could be on the bench and, and be like, well, Birnbaum going up front has worked really well. So let's sure. let's do the other thing and bring Mullen. We'll get them together again, just at the other end. Um, or I'll, or put, just, put a, well. just put a, a Haji Kamara back there. Ooh. Yeah, there you go. He, yeah, he's he's fast. Yeah, he and hasn't he's played in a while. 
Um, yeah. I actually saw a guy at RFK wearing a brand new Al Haji Kamara replica jersey, um, which was a, a first. Uh, I haven't seen one out in the wild because he's played like 65, 70 minutes for the team. Um, yeah. But in any case, um, Ben, do you have family. any more questions? Was that? Just his family? Or it could be. Um, it could be. Uh, the it's goal hard. he scored was nice. You could, he, they could have been impressed by that. He he is the only reason we have a road win all year uh, because uh, he capitalized on Tim Melia dropping the ball. Um, <laughs> that's that's how we win on the road. So maybe uh, Clint Irwin or Alex Bono or um, well, I guess it's down to the two. Quillen Roberts isn't going to step in. I, I don't think he's going to throw his hat in at the last moment. That would be the ultimate. Quillen Roberts will never play. <laughs> He's been on the books for at least three or four years now. He never plays. Is it doesn't he already have caps for Canada? He does. Yes. He's yeah. played more for Canada than for TFC. That's because yes. it, it's him and uh, Maxime Crepeau from uh, Montreal both have that situation going, right? Uh, probably yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. astounding. It's uh, yeah the depth that Canada has in goal. It's it's yeah marvelous. Milan Boyan's great, you know, for, for what he is, but yeah, beyond mm-hmm. him, like, who knows? <laughs> uh, no, Jason, no, Jason yeah, I don't have any. You don't else. have any more questions? All right, I've, no. I've completely exhausted my list. I was going to ask about Armando Cooper, but Duncan, you brought, brought him up all on your own. Um, yeah, I'm not keen on him. You can't trust the tricky winger. Also, the, the name uh, Cooper in MLS circles tends to go wrong. Um, as, as TFC fans yeah. re- might recall, uh, mostly in DC, we're mostly re- familiar with Kenny Cooper for uh, strange happenings having to do with penalty kicks. Yep. Um, <laughs> which is apparently his penalty kick record was excellent. It was like nearly 90% in his career, and all of his weird misses all happened against DC. Um, I don't know how okay. that works, but uh, uh, it's a curse, I guess, or uh, a blessing. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I'm talking about most of the time. Um, but I guess since, since I'm out of questions, I should probably stop rambling. Uh, Duncan, let our listeners know where they can find you on the internet. Uh, yeah, I am on Twitter at, uh, Duncan D. Fletcher and, uh, second, you can find me, uh, the vocal minority, uh, blog, vocalminority.ca and of course the vocal minority podcast, uh, which is pretty much the only part of the blog. This, the podcast is pretty much the only thing I do anymore these days. Um, but uh, yeah, go there. Uh, we're, you know, if, if you're interested in TFC but don't particularly like TFC, we're the podcast for you. <laughs> That's always how I thought it was. Uh, and uh, we, I, I don't know that we can say the same same thing for us. Um, but uh, we are a podcast you can listen to if you enjoy DC United. Um, well, uh, to be to be precise, we're the only podcast. That's specifically Aww. about DC United right now. I, I guess that's true. Uh, uh, our, when our, open wide for some soccer wants to be around, they count. But right, but they also cover more a wider range of things than we do. True. Um, we are we are extremely. Uh, we've got DC the blinders. We've got blinders, yeah. and that's that's it. Um, DC United, and obviously, rambling to fill time. Um, <laughs> even though we don't have an obligation to fill time, we do it anyway. Um, right. Anyway, if you want to tell us to be more brief, 
Um, you can uh, hit us on Twitter at, at filibusterdcu. Our email address is filibusterpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you want to tell people to listen to us for whatever reason you want to do that to somebody, um, please uh, tell them tell them about us at the at the tailgate or wherever you happen to be watching games. Uh, we don't have Adam, so I'm not going to bring him up anymore. Uh, I'm Jason. Ben is always uh, helping us out. Or, well, he's part of the show. I shouldn't say helping us out. You see how bad this is how bad things go when Adam doesn't come on is that I can't figure out how to close the show. Um, until next week when he, Adam will be able to close the show in a smooth fashion. This has been Filibuster. Ben, say whatever the hell you want at the end of the show. Goodbye, Adam. Goodbye, Adam.